This podcast is brought to you by Learn Prime. Hone your development skills at learn.thoughtbot.com. Whoa, my shirt is doing some hey. awesome things on video. <laughs> Holy crap. Look at it go. I can't I can't see you. Hold on. <laughs> oh, man. You just wait. You're in for a real moire treat. <laughs> is that what that's called? Yeah, that is. You nailed it. Good job. Yeah. No, 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 no HD. The the gobos are are moraying, right, Pete? Right. <laughs> what? Hey, everybody. This is Gordon in Boston. This is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Build Phase. Man, video signal sucks today. Yeah. Looks like there's like Vaseline on the lens. Yeah. So what's up? You know, just thought I'd drop in, do the podcast, go home. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. You've been drinking today? Not yet. Oh. I haven't even had coffee yet. Oh. I'm having it now. I guess it's early there. Right. It's only yeah. one. Right. If it was a Saturday, I might be drinking. Yeah. But on a Friday, I'll wait till 2.30. That's good. That's responsible of you. What's going on? What have you been doing this week? Wrapping up a project. Yeah. So it was half like fixing things right before shipping and half kind of doing knowledge transfer. Mm. Like, here's the things that are locked up in my head. Mm -hmm. They're yours now. (laughs) And then I'm just going to remove the code base from my computer, take the app off my phone. (laughs) Move on with your life. And you you need to make that clean break. Otherwise, you know, you'll fall back into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's true of a lot of things in life. It it is kind of nice every now, like, I wish I hadn't removed as much old client code from my machine as I did, mainly because there were things that I wrote that I was like, oh, well, I remember how to do that. And that, you know, or I remember how I did that. And I, it's not like I want to copy that code out of an existing client's code base, but being able to have like a reference for something that I did and then taking those concepts and iterating on the concepts with like a concrete implementation to start from is a lot easier than having to recreate the concrete implementation first. And then, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you're like always experimenting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just, just little things you tried and yeah. it worked out. Yeah. And did it work? Did not work. And then I'm like, Oh, I remember I did like specifically this has come up a few times, but like that static table view code, that we've talked about a couple times that I wrote on a client project, I, I have a general idea of what it looked like and I could probably write it again if I sat down and wrote it, but it would be much nicer to be able to like look at it and then iterate on it mm-hmm. from a starting point versus having to, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. have to sit down and go through those same mental jumps to get back to the code that I've already written just so that I could move forward with it. Do you find yourself going in circles with certain things? Like you try something and you're like, that doesn't work. I'll try something else. And then you come back to it. Two things are like that for me. Storyboards. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to go full storyboard this time. Like, oh no, storyboards are the worst. Back to all code. And then that's the worst <laughs> yeah, too. That's, yeah. The other one is core data stacks. Mm-hmm. Like originally it was like, oh, you know, I'll just make this thing a singleton. You can get at the context from anywhere. Yep. Nope. That's bad. Nope. Never again. No, yeah. I, kind of those same two things. I'm pretty good with storyboards at this point i just i didn't run into any real pain points on the last one i think i handled it really well on the last project that i heavily used storyboards on that last project that was the one that i was talking about i had set up 
the storyboard with all of the views on them. So like I set up all the storyboards with all of the views in place. You know what I mean? So that there were at least references to where those, like not not even wireframed, like literally just like I throw a label on and say, this is this view basically. Mm-hmm. But I think that worked really well in terms of uh, merge conflicts. You know what I mean? We didn't run into a single time that I can remember where, you know, Tony merged something in and then I tried to merge something in two and two things were in the same place in the storyboard. So we had this crazy conflict thing. Like none of that happened. Was that because you were waiting on design? No, we had design, but, you know, instead of adding things to the storyboard, like one view at a time, essentially I added references for all the views. And then we went back in and skinned those views one at a time. You know what I mean? So that even if we were in the same storyboard, if Tony went in and changed one view controller in one storyboard and I changed another view controller in another in the same storyboard, there weren't any conflicts there. Because we weren't both trying to add in uh, add a reference to the storyboard in the same basic place. Yeah, I I think I understand. You're kind of uh, making space in the storyboard XML file basically, for future changes. Basically, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what I do. Kind of do circles on definitely the core data stack stuff. Although I'm pretty sold now that just passing single, context singletons and even more generally core data sort of helper libraries. Yeah. If you don't really understand core data really well, they will get you into trouble. Mm-hmm. Like it's a lot of code. Just grind through it. Yeah. You know, pass the context around. Yeah. Don't access it globally. Spin off new context when you need to do like little bits of work. You'll save yourself a lot of headaches. Yeah. Feels like the last couple projects have like near the end, it's just, hey, there's a lot of um things going on here with core data. And then I finally like get in there and look mm-hmm. and like, you know, help their team sort out these threading issues in core data. Mm-hmm. It seems to be my lot in life. Did you ever do that experiment you were talking to me about doing about passing contexts down with view models and then like kind of chaining that together? I kind of have that set up in an internal project right now mm-hmm. where, well, I haven't needed them in any view controllers yet, but the basic architecture is there that at the top level there's an application controller and the application controller vends the root view controller, and then the app delegate just kind of plugs it right into the window. And then the application controller is also the beginning point of every view model throughout mm-hmm. the app. Right. So I, I think if we're doing this right, view models spawn more view models, right? I guess. I mean, that's what we've done that on a couple internal things. And that feels like the smart way because otherwise the view controller. The only other way I could think about doing it is that the view controller would have to get the model object out of the view model and then create a new view model with that and then pass that on to the new view controller. Mm-hmm. And that feels weird. Yeah, that you've gone through all this effort to keep the model divorced from the view controller. Right. And then you're just going, oh, well, I need it real quick. I'm just going to grab this. <laughs> right. 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 But it's nice because the application controller gives me a place to put the initial setup of the core data stack. Yeah. It gives me, then I can just grab that managed object context, feed it into the first view model, and that's how it's going to cascade down through the application. Yeah. Instead of all of these things needing to know about this core data stack and like call up to get it from some shared manager or something. Everything's mm-hmm. just passed down by a reference. It's injected everywhere it's needed. The only downside is that you probably have to pass context into things that don't need them because something that it spawns will need it. Yeah, which is that, weird. That's always the thing that drives me crazy. That's kind of a bummer, but is that a smell? Like, how far down should you have to pass this context? 
I'd be comfortable with it. Because remember, the object itself, theoretically, the object itself could pull the context out. You know what I'm saying? Like you can always pull the context that the object was created in out of the object. So instead of passing the context down, you could pass the object down and then pull the context out if you need it, right? I'm going to go ahead and say that if you can do that, do that. And if you can't do that, pass the context. So if you're looking at a list of some model, like, you know, we'll say, uh, I don't know, apps. Let's say we're building a little app store. Okay. And you have a view model for an app. And it knows how to populate a list of apps. Mm-hmm. Then you tap an item in the table cell. It calls over to the view model and says, give me a view model for basically for this view controller for the cell that I just tapped. Give me a view model that wraps the model of the cell that I just tapped. Right? Then all it has to do is just give you, you know, create the view model, put that manage object in there, and pass it along. Mm-hmm. But if, you can't, if it doesn't make sense to just hand a single model object down, then pass the context. And I'd say... I could probably live with passing things through one object that doesn't need them to get them to somewhere else. But if it's any more than that, then I'd start thinking about kind of how things are structured. It's it's always a trade-off though, right? You just have to weigh it. You have to go like, is this really worth it to keep passing this thing through all these layers that don't care about it? Or should I just put it somewhere where I can grab it easily? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, because I just went through the same jumps in my head and got back to a freaking singleton object where I'm like, well, it kind of sucks passing the context around. Do we really need everything to know about core data specifically? Like, should the view controllers care, period, about where this data is coming from? Should the view models really care where this data is coming from? You know what I mean? Like, if the model's job is to represent itself at a data level, and the view view model's job is to translate that data representation into a visual representation, for example, like string formatting, date formatting, that kind of stuff, right? And then the view displays that. That's kind of how it works in my head. Does that make sense? Then yep. why why does the view model need to know why does anything in that stack, other than the obvious reason of like it's just kind of the way the architecture is and you know, we don't have a good answer for it right now, but it doesn't feel like any of those things should particularly care about where that model object came from. I totally see your point. So in, you're saying that like in this example, the view model for the list should really just have an array of items. Yeah. Period. Inserted into it when it's created. And then it just kind of massages that data into something that the view can show. Yeah. That makes sense. But you just keep pushing the context I know. away. No, no, and I, like, know, I know, yeah. Until you get to a singleton where something somewhere down the line has to, whether it's a networking stack or whether it's, you know, an object deletion in a table view cell, something has to at some point reach out and be able to deal with the fact that it really is in core data. That's why I'm kind of looking at view models as like view models work with data sources and not so much just data themselves. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not uncommon to do like a network call in a view model to get some data and then somehow inform the view controller that it should update because new things have come in. Mm-hmm. So I think if you keep pushing it away, then what's the object that composes a view model with your data source, right. creates it, and then somehow hands it to the view controller as well? I think that's making the problem worse. Like by trying to split things out, you've actually made it more complex. No, I, I agree. I agree. It's, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily over engineering, but I do have an awareness of like overdoing OO 
design. Uh, we've said a bunch of times, like, keep creating objects <laughs> constantly, just like you can always create more objects. But there is obviously a point where that's gone too far and you have, like, one object per method, right? And then you definitely have single responsibility principle, like, covered. <laughs> but, <laughs> but at what cost? At what cost? If it's harder to understand what's going on, did you yeah. really win anything? Right. I mean, at the end of the day, like you have to look at the code and understand what what's happening mm -hmm. to work on it. You don't necessarily go, oh, this code is adhering to single responsibility principle right. really well. So right. I feel great. <laughs> right. That's all I need. Right. A little SRP in my life. Yeah. It's, I do have this sense, though, that like of all these things that we run into on a fairly daily basis as like iOS developers, iOS consultants, core data is the big one that I'm never happy with my implementation of. Like, I'm always like, yeah, it's it's better than the last one I did, I guess. You know what I mean? I always feel better about this one than I did the last one. But I never feel awesome. Are you talking specifically about the stack itself or how it kind of permeates your architecture? Yeah, and both. Like, both. Yep. You know, do, do, you create, do you create some, like, top-level core data stack that sets the whole thing up? Like writing that boilerplate or even importing that boilerplate always feels like crap to me. Like I just never feel great about that. Like we've talked about that before. That's just kind of an architecture. That's a problem with the framework. There should be a faster setup method. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like if there was even like if it was on manage object context, for example, and there was like a simple manage object context, default context, you know, it's created on the main thread. Like I don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like, they should take everything that's in the app delegate and the templates. You know, cover the eighty percent case. Yeah, put know, it, set up put for it persistent in an implementation store. file that I don't have to look at. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's there's that right, and I'm never happy with that. Mainly because I just don't like having to have that code sitting around. You know what I mean? I just I don't want to be responsible for it. But then the other problem is, yeah, like it is an insanely leaky abstraction. It's probably not the right word for it but it, it it does just kind of like get everywhere all of a sudden everything is kind of aware of core data in your application to some extent mm -hmm. you know even if it's like ns fetch results controller it's like shit now you know my table view inherently knows that stuff's coming in and out of core data because i have it hooked up to this thing like it shouldn't care like view controllers should not give a shit where their data is coming from uh, models shouldn't necessarily care where they are coming from, like where what context they live in. It shouldn't matter. They should just be data and maybe some validations. I can see validations, but I can see validations as something that's useful outside of core data. Mm -hmm. Like, does this person have a first name, a last name, and an email address? You know what yeah. I mean? Then that's a valid person inside this architecture. That's not that's not a core data concept. That's just a data validity. But the second you do core data, you got to set up the stack at the beginning. You know, somewhere in the app delegate, the app delegate at some point has to go. Oh, by the way, I'm a core data application. So let me do this thing, and then, you know, whether whether that's implicitly by creating another object that creates the stack or not. Like at some point, your application at a base level has to know that it's backed by core data, which isn't horrible. Because that does seem like a concern of the application. It, yeah, it's very fundamental. Right. It's, yeah, no, that's not horrible. But then you never get away from it from that point. You know, 
you've always got a context being passed around somewhere. You've always got dealing with threads differently, specifically because you can't pass these objects around between threads because they're not thread safe and, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the thing that like active record has going forward is that, you know, if we put it into core data terms, there's one context, right? There's right. one database, there's one access to it, and it's all funneled through the model objects. Right. So you could write your entire application, have a bunch of models and business logic, switch those over to inherit from active record, I think, and it should mostly just work. Like your the code where it integrates into your controllers and stuff, that won't really have to change. The entry point is still the model objects. Right. You know, find, find all. All that kind of stuff, right? But, you but know, those methods are added by Active Record, and I don't remember what the actual class is. But but that—that's what I mean—is you get those automatically just by switching yeah. your superclass. Yeah, yeah. And you, you all right. of a sudden like doors open into this persistence layer, right? Whereas you know our stack is upside down. You have to pass this stateful object around. It's just like a bin that you like reach in and pull things out of. But how else would it work with multiple threads? And- yeah, it's, exactly, exactly. Not that not that Rails is a simplified stack, but there's no threading, there's no concurrency. It's also just a different approach to the problem. The Ruby devs upstairs they write SQL queries. When was the last time you wrote a SQL query? <laughs> you it's know been a while. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I don't have to deal with that anymore, and that's kind of awesome. You know what I mean? Because I'm dealing with, ironically enough, <laughs> you know. This, this language that we write in that's just a superset of C is a higher level of abstraction on a database architecture than Ruby is, you know what I mean, or than active record is. Mm-hmm. The problems with core data has are obvious for the most part. You know what I mean? All the stuff we've been talking about. Like we've said a bunch of times, I think that you, you know, one of the first steps with core data is not thinking about it like it's a database, like getting away from that. Mm-hmm. And thinking about it like an object graph that maybe just happens to persist itself to disk. Yeah, the worst offense there is that people think about it like a database, so they overnormalize all of their entities. Right. They think of it as like, I'm building tables. Yeah. You're really not. Your schema should drive your UI. Yeah. Now look at the screen. What right. do you need here? The other Don't way around, over- right? Well, you're right. Your UI should kind of dictate the schema. Right. Which seems really weird. Right. But it saves you a lot. Like yeah. not having to go to disk to fetch in relationships to get this one property off it right. because you need it in this view is great. It's actually faster to just store duplicate data around than it is to run to disk and fault in all these objects. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, we're not dealing with databases like Rails apps are. You know what I mean? Rails apps are meant to be used by multiple users, thousands, millions of rows. Mm-hmm. I think you could say that there are core data applications out there that hit thousands of rows. Oh, maybe yeah. hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of rows. You think they're getting that big? Uh, the, well, the last project I worked on, definitely. Do you think there's anything out there with like millions of rows? Oh, I'm sure that like somebody that's been running Net Newswire for but you know not, or any sort of is but that it's not, not core, core data? data? No, specifically not core. Uh, I think I maybe mean, I, they're on core data now, but that was one of the architecture decisions that Brent Simmons made years ago, right? Brings because up his- pathological case of deleting 100,000 items or something. I mean, it does make sense. You know what I mean? You need to load, like, if you need to mark, like, mark all is red. That's a super common thing in, uh, like, in an RSS thing. Like, I don't want to read any of these, you know, maybe I have a 1,000 unread RSS items. I don't want to read them all. If it's core data, then you're loading all the objects, iterating through them, changing a property, saving the context again. 
versus a SQL query where you don't load anything into memory. You just send a message out to the database and it just it's done. Mm-hmm. You know? I do think that Brent is right about core data not being right for every situation. And I do think that he's right about RSS readers not being an optimal solution for them. Just because of the high volume of like of database operations and, and stuff like mark all is red, like stuff like that, like that's a super common interaction that's going to be much slower and much more cumbersome to deal with. On I'd argue that you shouldn't have red and unread states in your RSS app in the first place. Problem solved. What do you do? Just treat it like Twitter. Just things. Yep. Maybe just let it let it go by. Stream of news. <laughs> I couldn't deal with that. <laughs> but yeah, like a Twitter app. That is a decent case for core data. You have things coming in, they have relations, you know, users and tweets. They don't change very often, and they don't change in bulk specifically. They probably don't change at all. I mean, deletes. I mean, you can't edit a tweet. Right. It's just always new objects coming in. Right. New objects and the occasional deletion of an object. Uh, Updating user objects, that's the only thing that Mm -hmm. would need to be updated. And then everything's related there, so the tweets don't have to change if the user changes. Kind of curious how some of the bigger apps cache tweets. Like, how do they decide what to keep, when to start evicting things? Yeah. Because, I mean, judging by the, you know, disk usage of things like TweetBot, there's a fair amount of data in there Mm -hmm. of things that are being kept. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. But who knows? Maybe they're not even using core data. It's... Do you know, so we had a very brief conversation that went essentially like, have you heard of this thing? And then I said, yes, I have. But so uh, database sharding, Mm -hmm. right? At Cocoa Heads here, man, I don't know. It was like maybe a year ago. uh, John, one of the co-organizers, John Brayton, um, whose last name I've never said out loud, so I'm probably butchering. So sorry, John, if I'm screwing that up, gave a talk, I'm pretty sure it was him, now I'm second guessing myself, um, about using database shards with core data. And one of, the, one of the examples he gave is something like a mark all is red or something like expiring, you know, you want to keep tweets for a certain amount of time, but then after a certain amount of time, you just want to get rid of them. And so if you're doing that with core data, that's an, again, that's an expensive operation where you have to pull them all into memory, delete them all, and then save the context again. Mm-hmm. versus so database sharding is this idea of like breaking one database one massive sqlite database up into smaller databases on disk so you have multiple sqlite files that are all back in your data and then when you spin up your core data stack you just get all of them and get how does i, I don't remember the exact implementation that he did but basically you know you add stuff to a shard until it reaches a certain volume and then you create a new shard and then you add to that and then you create a new shard and so on and so forth. But one of the cool things that you can do if you start doing that database sharding stuff is that if you need to delete all tweets past a certain date, you just delete files off disk, hmm. right? Yeah. So now you don't have to deal with core data at all. All you do is you say, you know, literally poof, that shard is gone and so all those tweets are gone i don't see them anymore worst case is that like it it doesn't fall cleanly on like a shard boundary so you might have to like remove some rows from an existing shard but you can't ditch the whole thing right yeah i'm not sure i'm not yeah yeah i guess 
I guess. Like assume it's assume that you assume you're sharding every like ten thousand rows, mm-hmm. and you have to delete fifty five thousand things. You can lose five stores and just cut them off, and then you're gonna have to go through and like change like five thousand items in one shard because there's data that you don't want to modify. That seems interesting. And you could do things like you could have he was I think he had different shards for different accounts. So he was like doing he had like Twitter stuff here, app.net stuff here. Well, if you want to delete your app.net account, oh. then you don't have to delete everything out of one database. You just delete all of the shards that deal with app.net. And now that data is gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is pretty slick. Hmm. This is giving me ideas of new things to experiment with. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Multiple persistent stores on a persistent store coordinator? Yeah. Hmm. All right. Go on. No, I don't, I don't. I don't remember much past that. And like I said, I wish I could remember the like better specifics about what he was doing because um, it was a cool talk. But that was the gist of it. It's weird because again, we shouldn't be thinking of core data like a database, right? It's not an ORM. It's just an object graph that happens to persist to a SQLite database. But then, if you do know that, you could do wacky things. Have you ever dealt with a core data SQLite database directly? You know, I've, I've, I've looked in it for kind of debugging purposes, but it, it's not great. Uh, twice now, I've written. Uh, written. Wow. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, twice now, I've written rake tasks that hit an API, pull down JSON, and then pre populate a SQLite database with objects out of JSON. That's then prepackaged into the app to be shipped with it. How does that work with normal SQLite stuff? No, but like, but how do you make the format work with Core Data then? Because the format's relatively straightforward. It's like Z underscore. But it changes. What do you mean? I I think since Core Data has shipped, they've changed the format that they use in the SQLite a couple times. I'm just pointing out that if it hasn't, it could. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But that store, so again, it's a backwards compatibility thing at that point, right? Like if the store structure changes, then you probably have to update the rake task to use the new format. But the store that opened yesterday should still open today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like as right. long as we're creating a, a store that opens in the current version with no warnings, then it should keep working. I wasn't saying this as like a great idea, <laughs> just for the record. Didn't we talk about doing this? Didn't we talk about doing a like an Objective C? Yeah, like briefly over text message one right. day when I was like walking home. Right. <laughs> like, hey, I have a great idea. <laughs> we should do that. I think that'd be cool. I still do think that'd be cool. Like an Objective C command line client. That's well, we know, we didn't think this out very well, but basically, like. <laughs> it, You'd have to hand it some kind of configuration file that tells it what API to hit and then like a object mapping. And then it would dynamically create entities in a context and save them to a persistent store for you. Is that the gist? Yeah, but I it's remember this making a lot more sense when we were talking about it before. <laughs> I think it was when I was reading uh, Marcus Zara's core data book that it isn't hard to write a small script, like a, a one-off, you know, or like a Mac application that pre-populates a store. Yeah, I've done something like that previously, except we were using the actual parsing code that we're using in the app right. to kind of pre-populate yeah. this SQLite 
database on disk, and then we just pull it out and right. put it in the bundle. But it would, I would rather just run a command, pass a thing in. I'm total in theoretical wonderland space here, but I'd rather just like run a command from the command line and then have a database there in that directory instead of having to dig through the app bundle and pull it out and all that crap. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I still think it's a cool idea. I just would have to think about it longer and I have too many side projects right now. You have seven things, seven things you're working on seven or eight. Yeah. I think I thought of some more and then forgot them. Yeah. Too much stuff going on. Too little time. What else? I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Is that it? I think that's it. <laughs> this feels like it's it. <laughs> yep. Let's see. Long silence. Check. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward show ending. Check. <laughs> All right. Show notes for this episode are going to be found at podcasts.thoughtbot.com slash build phase slash 37. Hit us up on app.net or Twitter at build phase or email us at build phase at thoughtbot.com. Yep. Almost forgot the email address. <laughs> We're both on our game today. This is good. Yep. <laughs> also ratings and reviews on iTunes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Professionals. See ya. <laughs> All right, later.